And welcome back to Adventures in DevOps. This is episode 100. Yay! Woo-hoo. All right. Woo. Anyway, so today on our panel, we have Will Button. Hello, everyone. We have Jonathan Hall. Hello. Shimon Toltz. Hello. And hey. Jillian Rowe. Hello. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv, and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, That's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So yeah, so usually we do these a little bit different from kind of our regular episodes where it's like, hey, here's the topic, right? Because the topic is the show, I guess. But yeah, the thing that I usually start with when I'm running one of these where we're talking about the show and kind of the history of the show is I, we usually go into kind of the origin of the show a little bit, and I can do that. But before we do that, I'm, I'm just curious, do you all have a favorite episode? Because it, it seems like that's one of the things that after 100 episodes, people are going, oh, yeah, well, which one should I go back and listen to? I do. I'll jump right in on that. So I actually have two favorite episodes, and this is going to come across as cheesy but it's really not. It's really me trying to be genuine for a change. It's the episodes with (laughs) Shimon and Jillian because both of them, well, they were, you know, when y'all were first. I know them. (laughs) I know them. (laughs) No, both episodes were such cool products. Like the tree is such a cool product. I love it. And so it was great hearing about that from Shimon. And then Jillian works in a similar space that I do dealing with a lot of medical and, and healthcare type stuff. So it was cool to meet someone else out there who's doing the same thing. And so then later, as not to ruin the surprise, but as you might have guessed, they both ended up being co-hosts on the show. So I was really excited when that happened. Yeah, well, the way that that usually happens is we do the episode and then it's like, that was really good. You want to keep coming? <laughs> and, and I usually do that. So yeah. Or I'll have Michaela do it, right? It's like, well, we have some openings. Who do you want? And I'm like, uh, that one, that one, that one. So it's really fun. I really enjoyed the, you know, being on the show and it was cool talking to like minded people, even though everyone has their own, you know, angle and comes from a different place. And like some are entrepreneurs, some are like more in contracting, some working at companies, some work, you know, different areas, different angles, same. I guess same interest paths. So that's, uh, that's something that I really liked. And uh, also I love the network and I love the infrastructure that you build, Charles, because it, it makes it easy for us as very busy people to come in and enjoy and 
show our angle. So I think this is also one of the very important parts that maybe a lot of people don't know behind the scenes. I, I also run another podcast in which I don't have Charles, unfortunately, <laughs> and because it is mainly in Hebrew. And, you know, doing all of the scheduling and finding the people mm -hmm. and sourcing them and talking to them and educating them and scheduling the call and then getting all of us people together and synchronizing. It's a full-time job. So really, thank you for that, Charles. It, it is a lot of work. I have to give credit to Michaela. She does a lot of that, though. Yeah, I want to plus thank one you, that. Michaela. You know, I've run another podcast called Data Science Deployed. And yeah, just just plus plus just plus wanting everything that Shimon said. Where it is, it's hard. It's a lot of work. You gotta you know get all the people together. And uh, if you want to have any kind of production quality, you know that adds on quite a lot. We just live stream and call it a podcast. But you know, if you listen to this, the production quality is quite a bit higher. So, and that's you know all thanks to uh, DevChat TV and Chuck here. Yeah, Ruby Rogues was that way. <laughs> we just record it, and I I cut the front and end off and put music on it. <laughs> so that's how I started. I don't even have. I agree. Music, so that's right. good. <laughs> I I run a podcast too, and it's a it's a chore, isn't it? Keeping up with all the all the scheduling and and the edit. If you're doing your own editing, especially, uh, which I do at this point still. Yeah. Yeah, so I my, don't do my, that either. We have an yeah. excellent editor. His name's Jim. I'm, I'm, so. I'm getting ready to move that out of off of my plate as well. I really wanted to learn the process before I I offload it to someone else, so I I understand their pain. But it's getting to that point. Mm. So I think my favorite episode uh, was was my first episode where I was the guest. And not because I was such an outstanding guest. I, I don't know if I <laughs> yeah, was you or were. not. <laughs> yeah, you okay. Were. Totally. But I, I actually really enjoyed meeting Will and, and Chuck on that episode. Uh, yeah. And since we're talking a little behind the scenes here, I almost canceled that show <laughs> because it was kind of a last minute scheduling and it was scheduled for run at midnight. And uh, I was trying to email Michaela and, and I, or maybe Chuck, I don't remember the details, but I think I had a wrong email address or something. And so, like, communication just wasn't happening. And, and I was kind of feeling left in the dark about, can I reschedule this for a better time? So I, was a, I, was, I almost pulled the plug on it at the last minute. And then I decided, oh, I'll go ahead and try it once. We'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I can stay up from midnight once or, or whatever. And it was great. It was, it, was, it was amazing. So, yeah, that's the one I remember the most. Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because, I mean, I remember when I started the show, I reached out to some friends of mine that were kind of in the ops space. and. It's interesting how the shows evolve, right? Because initially when we started, they were talking about Chef and Puppet because, you know, we had people who worked for Chef on the show as regulars. And anyway, it's it's kind of evolved a bit where you know, it feels like now we talk. I mean, we do talk about the technology. We talk about the tooling. We talk about a lot of those things. We talk a lot more, I think, about just the process and, and people things. And then we kind of fold the technology in to talk about, hey, you know, this is how you make this better. And in other words, there's this tool that will help your process, right? There's this thing that you can do with your people to help the process. There's this thing you can do to help your people, right? And, and that has just been really, really interesting to me just to dive into. I think a lot of the episodes lately where it's just the panel and just talking about some of those issues have been some of my favorites, just because we can really get in and say, you know what, this is the hard part, right? It's not the, oh, how do I 
turn Kubernetes into a duck, right? It's how do I get everybody on the same page so that we can solve some of these issues? How do we make sure that we're seeing the right things so that we can make the right decisions? How do we make the decisions when we ha- once we have the information we need? And so, yeah, then we talk about tools. Oh, well, if you have a CI, then it'll tell you this. And if you have the tree, then it'll do this, right? And so anyway, it makes it makes a ton of sense just from that standpoint. And I think that's really where a lot of DevOps teams struggle. And so I feel like we actually serve our audience better talking about that stuff and then bringing in some of the tool and technology focused stuff as we move. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like the process is the first step because buying or using Ansible or Chef or Puppet or whatever, if you don't know what to do with it, you're just going to create a mm-hmm. whole bunch of new problems for for yourself and your team. So just like Jonathan was talking about the editing process, you know, you got to edit a few podcasts yourself so that you know Mm -hmm. what questions to ask. And the same thing is with DevOps, you know, you got to deploy a few things manually before you know what it is you want to try and automate and streamline. Yeah, I think that kind of nicely segues into my favorite episode, which was the one where we talked about, I think it started off talking about certificates and it think you should get one or not and kind of morphed into more sort of general career advice because uh, I know that was something that was really lacking for me or I felt like it was and I'm not sure if that was because the kind of environment that I was in where the focus is really on the science and not on the technologies the technology is kind of an afterthought but like it it has to be there and yeah I just felt like there wasn't really an awful lot of career advice for me when I was younger or not any that I knew about or had access to And so I kind of just figured it out as I went along and I made some good decisions and then, you know, some not so great decisions. And uh, (laughs) here we are. So let's let's share the career (laughs) advice with the world. Yep. I think that uh, in the past year, DevOps has evolved significantly. And I'll tell you why. Because I think that we're now in, in COVID times and it just keeps coming and coming and coming. Like waves of production issues in, EN, in US East One on AWS <laughs> just keeps on coming and coming. And I think that there is a major shift in the way that teams are working. And if, if like previously they could say, yeah, we're adopting DevOps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have an operations team that does everything for them. Today, everyone's like working from home and has to actually practice DevOps whether they're a DevOps engineer or they're a developer or like she's working at a team and now the DevOps engineer is like maybe so far from them and it takes time from them to to react to, to some tickets and they can't just walk into their room and say like, hey, can you deploy my stuff to the server? So I think this now is... Now I do that on Slack. The real adoption. <laughs> yeah, it still happens. Slack, yeah. <laughs> still yeah. Digital now. <laughs> they just slack yeah. you. Can you deploy my stuff? <laughs> my stuff? What are we talking about? Yeah, but I've I've really seen <laughs> I've really seen teams now that that they're actually adopting those practices. Of course, it's it's not the zero to a hundred. There will always be the people that don't get it or people who are really afraid and you know need help. But I think that for me, twenty twenty one was the year where everything actually accelerated. And just, you know, just people actually started actually leveraging and using DevOps. So this is for me was like 2021. Yeah, I love it. I mean, and it makes sense, right? I mean, you're really forced to be deliberate about communication. You're forced to be deliberate about a whole lot more things when you're remote. And that, yeah, it changes the game. I have said for years that the teams that adopt remote first working policies 
are more effective even when they're in the office. And, and it's for reasons like this. And, and it's not just DevOps. It's, it's things like the way you document things, keeping things in a wiki instead of talking about it over the water cooler, that sort of stuff. That one time that that person has to work from home or when the person who knows the thing is sick or whatever, you're really glad you have that wiki. And, and f- the fact that we're now working from home is it, it's not doing all of that, but it's doing some of that stuff that a lot of people had never thought of before. And, it, and it's sort of forcing a new way to think of things that I hope that the world remembers these lessons when we go back to the office and, and who knows, 20 years or something, whenever this actually ends. Odds are we're not going to. Well, it's it's funny that you you mentioned that because so my work situation changed, right? And that's why I haven't been on the show lately. I kind of bowed out and let these guys take the ball. But the company I was working for before, Morgan Stanley, I mean, we were all remote and they kept trying to tell us to come back to the office. And then they kept telling us not yet. And it's really interesting how many of these companies really are trying to kind of suck things back to sort of the known quantity of the office and how many companies have just kind of embraced, hey, look, we're getting way more done. My boss over there, he actually told me that we were actually more than twice as efficient working from home. And but at the same time, they're still trying to suck us back into the office. And it's 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 an interesting conversation because I think there are pros and cons. I don't think it's a slam dunk for everybody. But yeah, it, it, it definitely has changed. And it's it's interesting to see. Yeah, when you get away from the distractions of the office and you start collaborating in different ways, you know what things open up. And and I don't know if that comes just because you kind of changed the pace of things and kept some of the good practices you had when you were in the office, or if that's just a factor of now I'm at home. And so when the VP of whatever walks by my desk with a quote unquote quick question, I can uh, set Slack to away and pretend that I'm busy and come back later, you know, when it's a better time for me. Yeah, I love remote work. I'm really happy that it's being embraced everywhere. I think it is going to make things much more equitable because it's actually this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. There are a lot of people in the world who are very highly talented people and maybe they have something going on. Maybe they have young kids or a family member they have to take care of or some Mm -hmm. kind of health issues themselves or something. And like, you know, I think working from home just immediately makes that so much easier. I know for myself, so much of my wanting to go remote is because I have young kids at home and I wanted a more flexible schedule. So, you know, so that was really great. And I just for that reason, I just can't imagine ever having to get a job like in an office. I mean, if I had to, you know, if the choice of putting food on the table or, you know, and going to an office to work, right. obviously, I'm going to do that. But if I don't have to do that, there's just there's just no way. And I have kind of noticed a really big push. And I mean, certainly the last like five years, because I know when my youngest was born, I really tried to look for a remote job. And there were very few of them. And they were very, very sketchy. And I, and then <laughs> kind of over time, it seems like a lot of the companies that started to allow for remote work, really started getting a lot of talent from other places. And so then other companies had to kind of sort of under duress, start allowing it. And then COVID just completely accelerated that progress. That's great. Remote work, remote work all the time, you guys. (laughs) Well, when I was looking for work, I was telling companies, if you want me to show up at an office, don't send me an offer. So So many people are doing that. I've kind of been like that for a long time. I I did take an office job reluctantly a couple of years ago because it was an opportunity to get into management and try that out. But speaking of remote work. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I've, I've been the same. I don't mind showing up at an office 
every three months or something. <laughs> oh, I could team do that. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not going to do it anymore. Team retreat. Fine. Yeah. Get together for a brainstorming session or, you know, whatever we need. You know, I don't mind that on occasion, but I'm not going to go to an office again. And so many people are doing that. I, I think, I think one thing that this, a culmination of factors is leading to, you know, that we talk, we hear about this great resignation. I don't really know exactly what's causing that, but I think it's democratizing the workplace a lot, at least in tech, that mm-hmm. people, employees are recognizing that they can be demanding, that they don't have to take the first job that comes along, that they can set their standards and they can say, I will not work for a company that wants me in the office more than X, X days a week or whatever they feel like is appropriate for their mm-hmm. lifestyle. I will not work at a company that maybe whatever, whatever's important to them. You know, so sometimes it's the, the, the interview process. You know, I don't want more than, than two or three interviews. I'm not going to do a seven stage interview process or I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, do whatever, whatever is, impor- is important. No matter what. <laughs> Bring your own whiteboard. Person. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm really excited to see that that change. And I, I, I still hear people in, in certain less maybe affluent countries where that's not the case yet. And I sure hope it becomes the case for those people. You know, people who are... I, I was just talking yesterday with someone who is afraid to leave the job they hate because they won't get a, a letter saying that they left on good terms, which means nobody else will hire them. Like, I've, I've never heard of that. But if that's in your... If, if that's the way it works Holy for you, this, what can you my do? My gosh. Exactly. No, this is, and the only thing that's going to change that, aside from maybe legislation in whatever locality this person lives in, is a, a large number of employees refusing to 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 submit to that stupid system. Yeah, and companies realizing if I want to hire people, I can't use these stupid rules anymore. That sounds so like power a to the people. That sounds yes. like a problem that could be fixed with yeah. like a word processor, a document editor, and a printer, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to like. Let's be real. I am. <laughs> I can, I can, I can approximate my uh, boss's signature sure yeah i mean if it's going to be a stupid rule like that then we'll all play stupid games no but the market fixes itself yeah. and it's an open market i think it's maybe you know sometimes people are more afraid by themselves because they think of things but you know i think the remote is here and it's here to stay which brings me to like thinking about the uh, next year 2022 and what are your big trends and what you see for, for next year? And what would you like to see for next year? And like from my side, I would like to, to see more people and talk with people on the show in terms of how, first of all, there is the SRE movement that is also very interesting to me. And right now, I've only heard it mainly from very, very large companies mm-hmm. like Google and uh, Facebook and stuff like that. Uh, even though Facebook calls them production engineers, which is also a completely different term. How would you job title the day, it's, uh, Yeah. Google has to do yeah, everything so their own way. I, I think we need to call it dev products. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like another thing that is interesting to me is I would like to learn about the DevOps people that are working on different types of uh, infrastructure. For example, 5G and mm. is really taking off. So I'd like to hear of like how uh, how does a deployment and an infrastructure of 5G works, or maybe companies they that do space tech. How does DevOps for space looks like? You know, because yeah, the regular backend web server we all know it, we've all heard it many times. What's interesting for me is to learn more about the areas that I know nothing about. How do DevOps for drones? How do you do DevOps for your Dyson? You know. <laughs> 
Dyson cleaner. <laughs> and so those are some of the things that I'm really interested in for next year and learning about new practices and, and how people are really doing DevOps in even, you know, other infrastructures that, that I'm less familiar with. And I think that many people are usually in their own space. So it will be interesting for me. What will be interesting for you? I actually did an episode. I I did an episode uh, of my podcast, the Tiny DevOps Podcast, with a guest who does DevOps for embedded systems, and that was a fascinating uh, uh, discussion. Yeah, I did. um, I did a video just a couple weeks ago on my YouTube channel about the future of DevOps. You know, specifically 2022, targeting people who are just entering the DevOps career space. You know, and what things I thought would be. relevant for them. And one of the things I think we're going to see, you mentioned it earlier, Shimon, is we've had multiple issues with US East 1. And I think that's part of it. But also, I think, you know, we have a lot of these places where people are building, like, take Kubernetes, for instance, they're building a Kubernetes cluster for a pretty, very specific use case. And I think we're going to saturate that and end up in a place where we start merging all of these independent clusters together or facilitating communications between them. Because that's typically the way, you know, I've been in tech for like almost 30 years now. And that's typically what you see is things just go from one end to the other. We move processing from the client back to the server, back to the client, back and forth. You know, we build lots of little servers, we build uh, fewer large servers. And so right now it feels like we're at a place where we have lots of little orchestration systems. And so those will consolidate into larger orchestration systems or possibly an orchestration system for orchestration systems. Although I kind of hope that one's not true. And then one of the other things I mentioned on there in that video is I think we're going to see a lot of, oh, probably not in 2022, but beyond that, a lot of DevOps work on blockchain type applications because blockchain eventually will gain some traction. And I've spent a fairly significant amount of time in that. And right now there's no such thing as DevOps going on over there. It's all log into the server, type out a bunch of um, bash commands, cross your fingers, and then hope it never goes down. Yeah. Same thing for MLOps mm-hmm. and the AI. Yeah. Like they're like, genius PhD doctorate <laughs> to like write very intelligent code that is very, very good, but production readiness is not their number one concern. I'll say <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, we've had conversations about that on Adventures in Machine Learning. It's it's definitely a, an interesting space to dive into. One thing that I'm seeing for trends, I mean we've talked a bit about sort of the remote work, but for me Remote work is almost a step ahead of or a step before seeing more and more people going out and being contractors and things like that. Just because if you don't have that strong tie to the office, then why have a strong tie to traditional employment, right? I I think there are trade-offs there too. And I think companies are going to make those decisions based on what they care about and what they're worried about. But I could see it, you know, and and you all talked a bit about, oh, well, these people in these other countries might get different opportunities and things like that. And I I think that's actually a fair representation of where things will go. I don't know if that's two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 
But I think more and more people are going to be able to market their skills in different ways and not have to rely on kind of the traditional way of doing things to, to, to get work and, and to get paid. And then it also starts to yeah. break down some of the other things that come with that, like a 40 hour work week or certain other constructs that we have around things. I think it starts to break up the, at least in the US, the insane tie between it, uh, health insurance and having a full time employment. And some of these other things, you know, as people start to go out and contract more and look for other ways of, of achieving that stuff. So, and it, it, it excites me, right? Because then people can do it the way that works for them. And, and I think that's critically important. And I think it's, anyway, I think it's going to open up more opportunities for more people. Right. I want to tie right on into that, that yeah. I am like the thing that I'm the most excited for is watching kind of as DevOps takes off. So, you know, for example, we have the cloud and we have all these other cool integrations that I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see an explosion of people just who have some kind of very domain specific knowledge being able to go out there and create some kind of application that they then deploy on, let's just say AWS, because that's the one that I know. So for example, on AWS, there are all kinds Ed of integrations love. now. And what? <laughs> and love. Ed yes. Love. Yes, AWS. I love you guys so much. And your code is so elegant and wonderful. Please sponsor me. Uh, but you know, moving on from that, there are all kinds of really cool integrations now where they have they actually have these marketplaces and you can get registered on the AWS marketplace and you can deploy like containerized project products. So you can say you can create like a Helm chart that deploys some, let's say, Shiny or Dash application that has some very specific use case to analyze some very particular type of data. Right now, I'm working with the clients. They are called Big Omics and it's bigomics.ch. They're doing really interesting things in the space and they essentially have this R shiny application that that's, that's actually what they're doing is the idea is that they have an open source version and then they have a hosted version. And then there's also going to be a container product version. And I think all of that is just going to explode because it's all of these things are so much more accessible, I think, than they were whatever, five, 10 years ago. A lot of the data scientists already know, they already know Python or R. And so now there are these like visualization applications and Python is called Dash and, and R is called R shiny where they kind of widgetize all these things for you. And they just make it really, really accessible that if you know, I don't know, I'm running PCA on this data or, you know, linear regression or whatever, then you can very easily throw that into a web page and the whole thing is integrated. And if somebody can build the app, then, you know, I think it's quite possible for these people to deploy it themselves. And even if they're not quite there yet with deploying it themselves, depending on kind of how how terrified they are of the computers or how much they hate the computers, they can at least build it and get somebody else to deploy it with really not very much trouble anymore. And I just I really think that's all going to take off. And I think that's gonna, um, again, really kind of democratize the space and allow people to just, I mean, also to just be able to make different lifestyle choices. That's so important. Like during different phases of your life, you want different things. So for me, when, mm -hmm. you know, as I've had really young kids, I don't want to sell my soul to a pharmaceutical company and be working, you know, 80 hours a week. Um, you know, now I've been been kind of freelance for the last couple of years, and I'm trying to build a product, I probably work 20 to 30 hours most week. And I still so I still get to do what I really, really enjoy doing. I never really wanted to entirely give up on, uh, you know, like on a career and just having something kind of interesting that I do besides being overly emotionally involved in my children's lives, especially as they're getting older, and I'm getting a lot of complaints about that. But, you know, when they were young, it was it was really fantastic to have the option to do that. And who knows, maybe at some other point in my life, I'll have, you know, something else come up where for some reason I want to be able to, you know, kind of step back from work, not totally blow it off the table, but, you know, step back and focus on something else in my life. And I think that 
you know, all these kind of technologies. I mean, to me, that's really the point of them. Um, and that's at least to me why they're so interesting is because I want to be able to see more people being able to make these choices, especially, you know, because I am a woman. So I'm all about my other, you know, women with kids kind of deal and sympathizing with my fellow moms and stuff out there. Cause I think, you know, it's rough. It's rough if you have anything else going on in your life to do the full-time job and really give it kind of the level of dedication mm-hmm. it needs. So what if we can have all these people going out there building some application to analyze, I don't know what, gene knockout models and parasitic worms, and they can make enough from that to you know live off of, and they still get to be sort of in the space that they're interested in, but at the same time, they get to focus on other parts of their lives as well. And I think that's awesome. And I really wish America would fix its health insurance system on that kind of note so that, you know, so I could come back and have some health insurance because I need health. But freedom. Yeah, whatever. Freedom not to die. Like, I just want I just want health insurance. You can't because it used to be I could just go to the hospital with a fake credit card. And now, like, they're all too smart for that. So you can't. But you don't even live in the U.S. Why why are you complaining? Uh, because I am American, and there were so many times that I had to go without okay. healthcare because I didn't have fair, it. Fair and I point. Didn't have money. I mean, I'm American so. too, and I, I still don't live there, and I still think they should fix their stuff. But okay, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I bet we all have different versions of fix. <laughs> I bet we do. What they, what they yeah. should do. But anyway, um, we all agree it's broken. We just don't necessarily agree where it should go, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, one one other thing that I'm gonna push on a little bit, and this is mostly because of what I'm doing with top end devs, is that I, I think alongside a lot of this movement uh, toward remote and possibly contracting or something else, I think a lot of people are going to be looking at, okay, how do I do DevOps better? Or how do I do my career better? How do I do my life better, right? And just to kind of tie everything back together, right? It's, okay, well, how, how am I showing up at work, on the internet, with my colleague, both at the people that I work with colleagues and the people in my space colleagues, and and what does that all entail, right? And so I think people are going to take a broader interest, I guess, in in where they're heading with their careers and things like that. And I mean, that's that's one thing that I've been wanting to create forever with DevChat.tv. That's why I rebranded it to Top End Devs was because I really want to give people the idea that, hey, look, you can go out and achieve the top end of your career. And I, I, I really do believe that people are going to start moving that way in in bigger ways, right? They're going to want to show up more as podcasters or YouTubers or bloggers or what have you. They're going to find opportunities to appear in more places. They're going to find opportunities to shine in their work and they're going to find opportunities to move forward. And so I kind of want to take that tiger by the tail and just say, hey, look, here's how you do it, right? Here's how you, you know, can consistently learn new things. Here's how you network with other people. Here's how you show up on the internet, right? Here's how, and here's how to make sure that you're doing it in a way that actually moves you to the place you want to be. And, and I really, especially the new people coming in, they're, they're just, they're starving for opportunities to, to prove themselves. And, and so I, I see that too. And I see a lot more people coming into the field, to be honest. That happens every year. We have more and more and more people coming into some kind of technical field and, you know, a more diverse set of people. I hate using that word because it's been so overloaded with terms, but you see people coming in with different backgrounds and, you know, from different places and coming from different economic or whatever situations, you know, you have moms that want to work part time and we have enough work now to where that, you know, it's kind of a thing, right? It's like, Hey, look, you don't have time for full time. Well, we need skilled brains and hands. So we'll, we'll put you to work. 
And, and I just see all of that moving forward, right? And, and I see it as a positive thing because we start to solve some of these other issues and, and it does trickle out into society. But even if we're just looking strictly at the community, we're providing more opportunities for people to level up, move forward and kind of create whatever lifestyle they want out of their career. And, and I really see that moving in a positive direction. So I also think that uh, I'm sorry, but we are all old <laughs> and the new generation, the Zoomers. They already got it. Like remote, I think for them, it's, it's obvious. Like the, yeah. you know, the, the economy, like working at an Uber or whatever, like it's, it's just makes sense. And I think that the youngest, younger generation, it's go- going to be very different. And uh, because they've never experienced working at like an organization for 10 years, being afraid to, to, to quit it. Today, it's like, yeah, I want to be an influencer and I'm going to start a Twitch mm-hmm. channel and I'm going to stream myself playing Call of Duty and get coins. It's it's completely different. So I am very optimistic about the Yeah, future. I noticed that uh, just as a quick aside, I really noticed that with my kids because we were under pretty, I mean, we were under pretty strict lockdown because we live in like a small city and, you know, it's like it's like a city city. So we couldn't really go out a lot. So that meant, I mean, for most of the last two years, they have been mostly like online learning there was some times where they were hybrid they were like you know there it was every other day there one day and not the next and then recently they went back to school full-time and they're just like what is this i don't have any time i don't get to do anything Um, (laughs) like i noticed when they were doing the homeschooling they would just take on like all these cool projects you know they weren't just playing video games all day they would like kind of devote themselves to these cool projects like i don't know my daughter my older daughter built she built like a bunch of roblox games and she was getting all into that and she learned about I don't know what glaciers and the Titanic and, you know, like she would just find all these like really cool and interesting things for herself to do. And now they're back at school full time and they just, you know, there's only so much time in a day. So if you're at school for, you know, however many hours it is, and then you come home and you do homework and maybe one activity, that's it. That's the day. And I kind of wonder how much longer anybody is going to be willing to go along with that, especially after having had the experience of like, things weren't like that. And they all learned just fine. Both my kids both stayed on grade level. Everything was fine. They were moving along. They were learning. They were doing stuff. So I don't know. How much longer is everybody going to kind of accept that this, the 40-hour work week of a 8-10 hour school day or whatever is like an acceptable way to live? I personally think that it's not. You know, and that maybe we should, we shall take this opportunity to try to find some other way. Yep. Yep. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out. And, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Well, I have so many thoughts on that. Some of them aren't very politically correct, but a lot of it just boils down to what we've been talking about, though, where, yeah, effectively what it is, is you get you get paid for whatever value you create. And then we find a structure that works for that. And there's 
But there are just so many terrific opportunities for people to thrive under those circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I, how, how do we foster that? How do we make sure that, you know, we have a, a community that really builds and lives into that? So I, I think one of the things you said there that really sticks out to me is you get paid based on the value that you create. And I think that's the way it's been for all of humanity, except for the last couple of generations. You know, that's kind of a new, it feels like a new concept to us. So maybe we just... If we're, we're writing the book, the book of humanity, we say, yeah, we tried this. It didn't work out. Let's not do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. So I saw somebody recently do a poll on social media asking, is it bad for your mental health to work from home? <laughs> nope. And my response was, humans have been working from home for many hundreds of thousands of years longer than they've been working from an office. Right. I think you asked the wrong question. Yeah. <laughs> Although, Don't actually, tell my okay, middle so manager that. I want to push that. back on that. <laughs> I do want to push back on that just a tad because when I first went remote, it was a little bit difficult for me because I'm I'm pretty darn introverted. And so by the time I finish up with work, I'm kind of all done with peopling for the day. And then all of a sudden I was working from home and I had more like peopling energy and I was like, oh, geez, I need to get out there and talk to people. And I think that really made me realize, too, because I was working in an office and I had a commute. So I had very little and I had really young kids at the time. So I had very little going on in the way, like outside hobbies or outside activities. And I mean, it it did. It took me a couple months to sort of transition to, Mm I don't know, I'm going to go sign up for a yoga class and go talk to people over there and just go meet up with people for coffee or, you know, having to like reach out and find these different things that I was doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and during COVID, it's it's yeah. much harder because you can't do yoga. Maybe uh, depending on no, where you are can't. or the month, and and you can't go to a closed. you can't go to a, a art class or whatever whatever sorts of things you might do to to socialize. Right. So, um, I, I really feel sorry for I mean, really for everybody, but especially those who really need that social interaction, but can't get it right now anywhere. I mean, as, as somebody who loves working from home, I one of the reasons I love it so much is because after work, I have energy to go spend with people that I care about, not people that my boss randomly selected off the street. Right, you get to choose that. <laughs> yeah. But during COVID, that 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 whole That's aspect, which is so like important, that. isn't there anymore. So Yeah, you have the energy to go spend with people, even yoga people. <laughs> <laughs> I loved my yoga studio. Yeah, it was so great. Yoga. It was so like froofy too. You would like walk in and they would like ask you about like your chakras and there was like birds flying around and like I don't know. I don't I don't know who designed it, but they're they're fantastic and I love them. And then they closed because of COVID. It was so sad. Oh, I actually do acro yoga with my girlfriend. So it's like when you you like lift each other up and you do spins. Oops, and you do spins. Oh and no way. And, uh, we need to see really videos fun. of this. I know, right? Exactly. Uh, I'll send you a post. This, this will be the transition that shifts us from a podcast to a YouTube channel. So we can watch Shimon do <laughs> acro yoga. <laughs> React videos. React videos. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, but I do think that the whole working remotely thing, it just, you know, and all the kind of things that we've been talking about, it gives you a much, it gives you just so much more freedom and choice over your lifestyle than you have if you're doing, you know, if you're doing the eight hours a day in the office, plus a commute. A lot of us, you know, most of us probably had some kind of a commute. So all of that, I think it takes time to adjust, though, if you're really used to being in an office and you're used to like kind of the people that you work with or kind of your friends, which I have rather mixed feelings about. I don't think that's the greatest thing to do. I like you all. Like I like the people that I work with, but if we're ever in the same zip code, let's go get some coffee. But I think you should really develop your close relationships outside of work. Agreed. Yeah, for I sure. Agree with you there. I, I tend to make a few close relationships at work, but you know, over the last say five years, I can probably count on on one hand 
maybe you know the number of people who are really close like the, the the number of people that if i moved cities i would still stay in contact with them you know it's, it's very very few yeah so one other thing that i think we ought to do and then we'll wrap up is just talk about where everybody's at these days right so it kind of came up hey everybody's in kind of a different part of the world and i i find that fascinating to be honest that we're at that place here with this show but let's let's just talk about like where people are at what you're what you're doing what you're working on stuff like that sure so i'll take it off right now i am physically which you know speaking of lifestyle choices i'm physically in uh new hampshire i'm here for christmas i'm from new hampshire my parents siblings and whatnot are here so i come here for uh you know for holidays christmas and for summers which is something that i can do because i work remotely which is another really big deal to me the rest of the time i live in doha qatar and my husband works um he works for a university there which is you know kind of Yet another point for the remote work is that when you're a working couple, it is really hard to find something good for both of you in the same city. Like it is just, oh, it's so, it's just, it's so, so, so terrible. We could have a whole show where I just sit around and complain about that sometimes. It's awful. So anyways, (laughs) so a lot of the reason why I wanted to go remote was beyond the fact that I'm pretty introverted and I like being home a lot is that it really helped us out kind of as a working couple that we were both able to go and, you know, find things that, that we both liked. And at least I'm, mostly location independent these days. So that's really nice. And then in terms of work, I am working on a project called Bioanalyze, and that is my main kind of focus. I design and implement a lot of high-performance compute infrastructure for biotech startups. And kind of over time, I've developed a sort of series of like modules and project templates. And so now I'm cleaning them up and releasing them. And uh, the 1.0 release used to be a lot more aspirational, if anybody's ever heard me talk about it before. It is now currently, there are Terraform modules, and you can, I wrapped them up in Cookie Cutter, which is this project generator uh, library. So you can run like Cookie Cutter and point it at the Terraform module, and then it will kind of like walk you through the options. And then you can have, I have, what do I have? I have Jupyter Hub on Kubernetes. I have Rancher, which really helps a lot with kind of the site reliability stuff that we were talking about. It also gives the scientists a really nice interface to be able to monitor and do some profiling on their applications and then also to deploy additional Helm charts. So I really like kind of everything that's happening in that space in terms of making DevOps easier. Yeah. So again, I have, what do I have? I have Jupyter Hub with Dask and RStudio. And then I have Apache Airflow, which is my favorite workflow orchestration system. And uh, I have lots of other modules that are kind of like coming out and on the way and I have, you know, clients that are starting to use them and rely on them and all that kind of thing. So that's really great. And then I'm hoping that at some point, you know, like, uh, I don't I don't know what I think I need somebody to just constantly call me up and harass me about when this thing is going to be finally released. But at some point, the idea is that I'm going to release it as a product, everything is going to be open source, there's not going to be any paywall. But I'm going to offer a hosted version as like as a SaaS product, and I'm going to do that on AWS and through the AWS marketplace. So that's kind of why I'm always going on about the AWS marketplace too, just because I think that's such a cool opportunity. And I love the fact that I don't have to deal with people's procurement departments. AWS deals with their procurement departments, and then AWS <laughs> pays me. So I love that. Nice. That's great. Yeah, that's uh, so that's that's really my big focus for the year is getting. Uh, is getting that out and then also starting to create a lot of content and a lot of, I don't know what, maybe go try to pair up with somebody and do like a course or something for data scientists to be able to get their SaaS applications out the door. Because I think now is just a really great time to do all of that. And I think it's really 
I just think it's a great opportunity for a lot of people. Like every time I talk to anybody, I'm like, you must have an idea. Let's pair up and we'll make an application and we'll deploy it and it will be awesome. So that's, oh, that's really where I'm at in terms of things that I'm working on and excited about. And then of course, I'm still doing my client work with a biotech startup. So if you need people, if you need a consultant to come in and tell you, it depends on everything. Call me <laughs> I will be there for you. I will be there for you in your HPC infrastructure. Nice. What about you guys? I can go Do you next. all want to make data science apps too? Come on, let's let's join no, forces and make don't. some apps. Why I not? But I like I like talking about them, which leads to what I'm working on, which isn't data science apps. But my primary focus lately has been content creation in the form of my own podcast. Incidentally, Jillian was my most recent guest on the most recent episode, and she Ooh. talked about her data science apps. So check that out if you like Tiny DevOps. It's a podcast about DevOps focused on small companies. So if you're not Google, maybe it would be interesting to you. I also. <laughs> I'm also working on, oh, oh and, and Will's going to be on an upcoming episode. We just recorded that uh, last week. So, so stay tuned for that too. Aside from that, I'm, I'm working uh, with a client, uh, doing some Go development on a project that will soon be open sourced. It's basically a product. It's called invopop.com. If you want to look it up, there's not a lot on the website yet. There's still really early stage, but basically the product will be a way to handle invoices electronically with like all the, all the tax metadata embedded inside of side of it, so you don't have to pay humans to retype all your invoices every time you get them from all your thousand different suppliers and stuff like that. So that's kind of the, the general idea of the of the system that we're working on, and I'm working on polishing up and preparing for open source release uh, one of their Go libraries. So yeah. Oh, and physically, I'm I'm in Amsterdam, but I I'm not from here. I'm from the United States. I grew up in Kansas and Oklahoma. But I've been in Amsterdam for about six years. Oh, I guess I don't talk as much as Jillian. I'm trying to pad this out with more more words to to feel impressive. <laughs> I, I think I'm done. <laughs> more focused. I mean, Kansas to That's Amsterdam, it. that was probably not much of a change, right? <laughs> actually, so so actually, it's funny you say that because uh, people ask me a lot: is it, is the Netherlands so different from the United States? And I've actually lived in several countries, and the Netherlands is probably the most like the United States of any of the countries I've lived in. I've lived in Mexico. I've lived in, I wouldn't say I live. I spent several months, three or four months in the UK, several months in Spain. So yeah, I've been all over the world and, uh, but culturally and language, although they speak Dutch here, everybody speaks fluent English as well. The Netherlands is consistently ranked as the, the best English speaking country that isn't a native English speaking country. I think I said that right. So. Yeah, culturally, I mean, there, there definitely are differences, but it's it's sort of the most comfortable in terms of like feeling like I'm at home without being at home that, that I've lived in. So, right on. So I live in um, Arizona, which is in the U.S., although nobody really wants to claim it. It's sort of just like a. <laughs> it's the way that I you like get, Arizona. It's the yeah, way that you get opinion. from Texas to California. That's <laughs> Arizona's claim Florida. to fame. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've been here for, I've been in Arizona for 12 years. I do freelance consulting, currently working with um, a healthcare provider to build out an application for them for Jillian's expertise on data science, because that's one of the huge problems with healthcare. Well, okay, there's a bunch of problems with healthcare in the US, but one of the <laughs> ones that I'm focused on is when they want to do research, getting the data is a process that takes months to complete. And so the project I'm working on with them is, um, hey, your data is stored in a computer. You have a computer. 
why don't we let your computer ask that computer if it can have the data? And if it can, it just sends it to you instead of sending a request off to someone who prints out the request and then forwards it to someone else who then looks at the data, downloads it, burns it to a CD, puts it in inner office mail and that kind of stuff. So that's the project that I'm working on in addition to consulting for some various early stage startups at different different stages. But I also, I should probably point this out, I also run a YouTube channel, DevOps for Developers, that really focuses on teaching or like helping you understand what the skills you need in DevOps are. And uh, so I'm going to continue working on that for the foreseeable future. But my new project for 2022 is going to be focusing more on blockchain, which I've worked on for several years now, but I'm going to escalate that in 2022. Very cool. Very cool. So I'm an Israeli and they live in Israel. So weird, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here from here and I'm here. Combo yeah. breaker. <laughs> very strange. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> Don't feel too bad. I, I grew up in Utah and I live in Utah. So, so. It's it's almost true because I was born in the Soviet Union, but when I was three years old, we came here. So, you know, Jew, Russian Jews and then the Soviet Union collapsed and then we moved to Israel. But I've been here for 30 years. So, so I'm very excited going uh, on next year. I've been doing a lot of public speaking, including KubeCon, AWS reInvent, DevOps Days, and I plan on continuing to do it. I'm an entrepreneur. I have a company, the tree, as you know, and recently we've had a very big increase in traction. So we're actually scaling the company from 11 employees to 27 oh, nice. now. So we just hired five people this month and it just keeps on growing. And so we took new offices. And I know we all talked about remote, but for us, most people walk to, to work. And so we work three days from uh, the office and two days from home. And central Tel Aviv is like a hub where you mainly like bike, like bicycle to your work or you go by by foot. So it's a very, very different atmosphere. And it's by the train and, and everything. And for me, really, the next year is going to be double down on cloud native. And you really, I really see it going strong. Kubernetes is really, really strong. And, you know, I'm a big believer in the cloud native foundation because the separation that happened with the different clouds taking us like in five different directions, even though there are cl- clear winners, but still AWS is there, of course, but also Azure is there and also GCP is there. And then a lot of people, they, they, their companies have deployments in, in offshore areas or local pops. There are people who do digital ocean. So it, it is still there. And I think that there is a big need for cloud native foundation and for open telemetry and really tying it all back together to having a single API that is actually implemented by the different vendors rather than, you know, one speaking English, the other Chinese, the third one Hebrew, actually having a common API to speak between us. So this is what I'm mostly excited about uh, for next year. Cool. I actually got canceled by the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, but that's another story. (laughs) So, yeah, so where I'm at, so I currently changed uh, work situations, uh, you know, went uh, contract, freelance, whatever you want to call it. 
And uh, yeah, there were a lot of reasons for that. I, I think I've complained about my old employer at, on one or two of the shows. So I will spare you all. And I don't really want to like disparage them or anything because it, it usually, like any other place, boils down to one or two people. Anyway, but yeah, so I'm, I'm working a contract now. I don't know if I necessarily want to go into who I'm working for at the moment. But then I have been pretty heads down. This is going to sound like Jillian. I'm working on like eight things. So one of the main uh, focuses that I've had, and I talked a little bit about it earlier, has been uh, this idea of people taking control of and managing a career that is fulfilling to them, right? Whatever that means, right? If your career being fulfilling to you is, I go and I work enough hours for me to buy beer and go surfing, great, right? If you want to be kind of the... I hate the term, but whatever, thought leader, you can, you can go out and be that, right? And everything in between. And I feel like there are a handful of common things that people have to do in order to get there, right? And and it's just down to that consistent learning, consistently meeting new people, uh, participating in the community, publishing content, and uh, making sure that you're heading where you want to go, right? So anyway, so yeah, so that that's one thing is top end devs. But the other thing is, is uh, Shimon and Jonathan and Jillian all mentioned in the other podcast uh, processes. And I find myself either teaching somebody how to do it by hand or doing it by hand myself in a lot of cases, right? And like this week. So I don't know if you guys know this, but Michaela, the part of Philippines she lives in got hit by a typhoon about two weeks ago. And so she's the last thing I heard from her was that she didn't have power or water. She's checked in periodically, I guess, and just let us know she was okay. But so I've had to pick up the slack and get the shows published and stuff, which is why they're late this week, by the way. And so it's, it's just kind of been this deal where it's like, okay, you know, how can I automate this stuff? How can I make it so that the right stuff happens so that things go out, not necessarily without human intervention, but just to make it as easy as possible, right? And then, you know, having those processes documented and things like that so that I can pull somebody else in until she gets her power back or something like that. And so I'm actually working on a couple of things. One is, is that I've been working on actually writing code for a system that will automate a lot of the processes. I'm, I'm not, I, I kind of have some uh, quick and dirty processes that, that stuff goes through. Like, uh, we have a, a discourse forum that, people get invited to and a topic's created for each episode. And that works about 80, 85% of the time, right? Well, the other 15% of the time are kind of a pain. We've got some other things that mostly work most of the time that are somewhat automatic. And so I'm working on a system that will actually just do the right thing every time. And, uh, you know, so that'll probably come out later this year alongside top end devs. The other thing, though, is that top end devs, the, the idea around learn something new every day is going to be weekly videos, right? So here's here's a weekly video on DevOps or Docker or Kubernetes. Um, you know, I'm putting together stuff on careers, right? So here's here's a weekly video on how to learn how to learn or how to network, how to how to manage your calendar, you know, all that stuff that is going to get you what you want out of your career. And so it's the same kind of process to manage getting those videos out as it is for the podcast. And so I kind of need it anyway for top end devs. And so, you know, I'm working on that also working on, because I, I'd like to free up more of my time and not have to spend it, you know, on the contracts. I'd like to spend it on the stuff that kind of works in the areas where I feel like I can really help people like 
putting out content, like starting a podcast and getting to a certain number of listeners, like, you know, things like that. And so the other end of things that I'm doing is I'm kind of creating the same thing that I'm doing for top end devs and I'm calling it podcast playbook. And, um, initially I'm, I'm actually going to be coaching people. I mean, if you want to start a podcast and you want to get coached until you have 500 or a thousand listeners, come talk to me, right? Because I'm, I'm going to just do a program where we, we, that, I mean, that's, that's the end goal and we'll just do what it takes to get you there. Right. Whether it's one-on-one coaching or giving you access to the content that I'm creating or all of the above, putting you in a Slack group with other people who are doing it. I mean, all this stuff. And so those are kind of the three major focuses that I have professionally uh, that I'm working on. And then I'm starting podcasts with my kids. Nice. But, That's adorable. Uh, you need to yeah. Them. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be podcasting about uh, what songwriting. Because that's what my four, 15 or 14 year old wants to do. She wants to be a professional songwriter. I'm like, great, let's, let's get you, you know, in the door. The other ones are Harry Potter and Star Wars. And then my son wants to do YouTube playing video games. So I sit there and I make fun of him while he plays video. I mean, um, <clears throat> I commentate <laughs> while he plays this idiotic, uh, uh, plays amazing, game, right? amazing video game. So anyway, but yeah, so that's the deal, right? And so I'm, I'm working on freeing up time for that as well. And anyway, so those are kind of the areas that I'm working in and then just making sure that I can connect with people. And I, I wind up helping a whole bunch of people for free, a pretty regular basis, right? It's like, hey, you're trying to figure this out. Let's get on a coaching call. I won't charge you, right? Some of them, if it looks like they need longer term help, then I'll, you know, I'll offer to do it to get paid. But that's kind of what I'm looking at. But I've, over the years, I've helped dozens and dozens and dozens of people start podcasts and grow them. And so... I figure I may as well work that out so that I can get people the outcome they want and then, you know, make it work for me too in, in the sense that I'm getting paid. But it's going to be open-ended until you hit whatever number we agree on for your audience size. So yeah, but that's kind of where I'm at. So that that's what I'm working on. I've had to back off some of the shows because my client wants me 40 hours a week. I don't think I've gotten 40 hours any of the weeks I've worked for them so far yet. So that that kind of gives you an idea of just how much stuff's going on. But I have five kids and, you know, it's Christmas season and it's just been crazy getting to everything. So anyway, that's where I'm at. So amazing. Right on. Good luck. Thank yeah. you. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production. And you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up. Do we have picks that we want to throw out? I actually had one this week. Yeah, I came prepared. <laughs> awesome. Up on the spot. Go, Jillian, go. Okay, so I want to pick this application called Supabase, which is it's I've heard of that. a hosted and it's really cool. It's a hosted and open source implementation of like a whole kind of stack of tools, the bottom of which is Postgres, and then uh, an application on top of that that lets you turn your Postgres database into a REST API, and it uses the Open API, I think V3 spec or something like that, which I've just been seeing a ton of tools adopting that, which is really, really nice for me because I don't really want to have to write that much code. So if everything is using the same spec, like I am here for that. That's awesome. But it's just, it's really, really nice. And one thing that I like about it is that Everything is just in your database. So you don't like make a database and then go back to your application and then have like a bunch of logic. Like if you have like RBAC role based authentication roles or any kind of access credentials or anything like that, 
You don't do that in the application. You do it all directly on the database, even like creating your JWT tokens and stuff like that. So everything is just like right there and it's just built in. And it's just, it's, I just find it to be really, really interesting. And I've started playing around with it and it's, it's just a really, really nice application. They have a hosted version, which is free for the starter plan. And then I don't know what it starts at something pretty reasonable, but then they also have, you can self host it and it's all open source. And all of that is complete, completely free, which of course I like because I always like all the open source stuff. And then on top of that, I found this application. Well, I found, I found two. I'm not sure which one I'm going to use yet. One of them is called Refine, which is like a React project template that lets you connect to different kinds of APIs. And then it's, it's supposed to be built for like B2B data science applications. So, which is really, really nice for me because web development is not my thing, which like I constantly complain about JavaScript and how every time I learn it, it looks different. So I'm hoping that maybe this is going to help me at least with, you know, some of the like kind of easier views and things because I don't really need a ton. I just need to be able to like list and have people press on buttons and maybe have some charts embedded and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that's going to kind of help me a lot to, uh, to get bioanalyzed out the door is again, these tools that people are putting together that I know all this stuff existed before, but the fact that somebody else has wrapped it into a nice package that's actually accessible for me is what's going to make it something to be usable you know, like for me, not being an expert in any of these fields. So those are both cool. Superbase and Refine. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in Superbase. It's cool. Go look at it. Yeah. Jonathan, what are your picks? Sure. So since I already mentioned it uh, in, in the context of Jillian and uh, earlier, my, my podcast, uh, Training DevOps, uh, Jillian was on episode, I think it was 25, the most recent one. But I also mentioned episode 12, uh, Luca with guest Luca in Luca Ingeniani, who talks about DevOps for embedded systems. But enough about that. The interesting thing I want to talk about today is a book. I read it a couple of years ago. I don't know if I can say the title on this podcast. Do we have a rule against swearing? Uh, go for it. Okay. You're, called, you're quoting a book. Jobs. It's, yeah, I'm quoting. I'm not saying this to anybody. I'm quoting the title of a book. It's called Bullshit Jobs uh, it's by David Graeber. And it, it's really relevant to a big part of the conversation we had today. And kind of the, the conclusion of the book is that uh, we don't need to be working 40 hours a week, uh, as a society, that is. The, the, the kind of premise of the book is that, according to the author's theory, approximately one-third of the jobs that we have in, as, as humans are bullshit, in the sense that they accomplish absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, and he goes through some examples. Pe- people who, who guard empty warehouses or you know they're, they're doing something that literally accomplishes nothing of value whatsoever. But it's there to feed the bureaucracy or, or, or for historical reasons or whatever. He then goes on to, ex- to claim that a remaining third of the jobs are there to support the bullshit jobs in the first place. <laughs> so, so these are people who, who clean toilets for people who guard empty warehouses and stuff like that, right? So if, if we got rid of that one third of the bullshit jobs, another third of the jobs wouldn't have to exist because they're only there to support the bureaucracy that's doing nothing. So I, I don't know exactly, of course, how accurate this is, but based on his theory, uh, which had some 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 evidence, uh, you know, that some research went into it. The, the truth is that only about a third of the jobs that humans do are actually contributing to human society. So if we could cut out some of these crap jobs, we could all live this exact same quality of life that we are right now, but work one only one third of the hours that we're working right now. If, if we could adopt this, of course, as an entire human race. Uh, and then he goes into some of the reasons why this doesn't work and, and, and why the system, so to speak, is is stacked against us. 
But it's a really fascinating read. You won't agree with everything it says, of course, but that's okay. It's good to read some things you disagree with, I think, to, to challenge uh, a worldview a little bit. It's entertaining regardless. With a title like that, how can it not be entertaining? So that's right. my pick for this week. Awesome. Shimon, what are your picks? Okay, so my pick is actually, you know, this is the final show of the year. So I'm going to go with really what I mainly do most of the year, but I never talk about it directly like this. Acro so yoga. When I was oh, 12 years that's old, the other thing. I, I installed my first, uh, I installed my first Linux um, distribution. And then I understood that a computer is not just a Windows. It can be a Linux machine. And it really blew my mind. And like, how can this be? And then I learned about the open source. It was the most amazing thing ever. And ever since, I fell in love with open source. So it is not by mistake that my company also, we prevent misconfigurations uh, from reaching production in Kubernetes. And we have an open source that can be run standalone or also use our SaaS. And we're launching a program where we're helping people get involved in open source contributions through our project. So we already had our first hackathon, and I'm very proud to say that we had 17 pull requests. People made crazy things. They made like a VS Code extension uh, for the CLI. They made pre-commit hooks. Someone made a policy that generates policies, some crazy stuff. I just really encourage you to come in we label issues as a first good issue to to uh, get involved. We have our wonderful DevRel. Her name is Noah, and she will coach you and guide you. And our goal is to help you with your journey into open source. We do this through contributing to our project, but really the goal is to get more and more people involved in open source. So this is my pick. I encourage you to come in and we will help you get involved in open source. That's very awesome. cool. I think that's a very worthy goal. Yeah. I like it. Did did you have a URL that people can go to for that? Yeah, it's at github.com slash the trio slash the tree. It's a fairly popular project with 5,000 stars. And maybe you can link it in the episode. Uh, the tree, like it's Christmas now. The tree. <laughs> so it's easy to remember. Nice. All right. Will, what are your picks? So I've got two picks this week. The first is the... Last little bit here, I've been doing YouTube short on my channel with each one is a 60 second or less like DevOps challenge. So it'll be a different thing. How would you do this? And then you post your comment down below. And so if you're interested in just like picking up a little bit of DevOps every day, I encourage you to check that out on DevOps for Developers. And the other pick I have is relevant to our conversation that we had today. You know, we talked about how going contract or going freelance gives you freedom, mobility, and the ability to control your destiny. The opposite side of that is getting a traditional nine to five seems to represent stability. And so it takes a leap of courage to make that jump and say, no, I'm going to take all the risks and get all the rewards. And so there's a book that was just released within the last couple of months called Courage is Calling Fortune Features, Fortune Favors the Brave by Ryan Holiday. And so I'm going to recommend that because it's really relevant to this conversation and filled with tons of insight, wisdom and stories of people who took the bold step and decided to do something and how that worked out for them. So I think it'll be a good read for anyone who's enjoyed this podcast. Very cool. You're the second or third person who's recommended that to me over the ne- over the last week or two. So 
<laughs> right on. Let's see. So I'm going to throw out some picks. Uh, one of them that I'm going to pick is... I guess I should do the board game pick because I always do a board game pick, but I'll do that in a second since I'm thinking about this other thing. So we've been working on refinancing our house because like every other house in the U.S., it went up by bazillion dollars value. So we're looking at refinancing, possibly solve some financial issues for us and things like that, or just save us some money on our mortgage. That's mostly what we're looking at. But yeah, one of the things that uh, the lady that I was talking to about this uh, recommended to me is called opt-in prescreen or opt was it optoutprescreen.com. Let me look at my browser history because I just used it. Optoutprescreen.com. And it took all of like two seconds to fill in their little form. And effectively what it is, is I guess a lot of the credit reporting agencies uh, sell your information to companies that sell like insurance and credit cards and crap. And so you can opt out of getting those those things in the mail, the junk mail. And the other thing, which is kind of ironic considering that it is the credit reporting agencies, but apparently it also raises your credit score <laughs> in the US. If you opt out, you can raise your credit score by like 15 points. So... Wow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's wild. Anyway, so yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, pick that. I'm hoping I get less mail. I filled it out today, so I do not know, but uh, here's hoping. If they don't get the information from those like three or four companies, then obviously you're still going to get those. But anyway, but yeah, so that's my pick. Um, as far as board games go, I'm going to pick my wife got me a board game for Christmas which is definitely a good way to go. Uh, she got me Forbidden Desert. It's kind of in the vein of Forbidden Island if you've played that. So these are, they're all cooperative games, right? So you all work together to try and escape, in this case, the desert, right? In the other case, it's, it's an island. So in Forbidden Island, I'll just pick them both. Forbidden Island, the island is sinking and you're trying to collect artifacts and get off the island before you can't, right? And so if anybody drowns or if you can't get all the artifacts or if you can't get off the island because the the landing space has sunk then you lose in forbidden desert if if anybody dies of dehydration you lose if if you run out of sand because there's a sandstorm that moves around the board if you run out of sand to put on the board you lose i can't remember but yeah so you're doing the same thing right you're collecting pieces of an airship to fly out and everybody has special abilities and, you know, kind of like if you played Pandemic or something, right? Everybody has special things they can do and you, you pull it all together to to win. But anyway, I really, really have enjoyed the game. We've played it a few times, so I'm going to pick Forbidden Desert. But you can also go pick up Forbidden Island. The difference between the two, I will just uh, put it out there. Forbidden Island is simpler. So if you're kind of looking to break into this kind of a game where you're managing, you know, spaces and tiles that you can move to and collecting items, then get Forbidden Island. And then you can go pick up Forbidden Desert if you like it. And then I just want to remind everybody, hey, we're, we're putting stuff together at topendevs.com. I have been a little bit lax on reaching out to potential authors to get some of the series going, mainly because this contract just took up way more time than I thought. And I'm not quite ready to onboard them. But I'm getting to the point where I'm getting close. And so I'm probably going to be reaching out. If you want to be an author, go to topendevs.com slash author. And you can also just go sign up. If you sign up, I keep kicking the date back because I realized there were uh, sign up issues 
up until today as we record this. So if you go, if you go sign up, bef- you know, when this comes out or within a week of this coming out, then you'll be able to get in at the pre-launch pricing, which is $19 a month or $190 a year. If you wait, then it's going to go up to $39 a month and $390 a year. And I'm planning on having the content go out on a, on a regular basis. It'll also get you into the Slack channel, the forum, and which are all community-based so you can meet people and have discussions about things. We're also looking at putting together some uh, meetups and masterclasses every month just to keep you current, keep you moving on your career. And sometime in January, I'm going to be having a kickoff where we actually sit down and help you plan out where you want your career to go. So if you're trying to figure out what, what comes next, we're going we're gonna to kind of walk you through it. One thing I will say is that if you're not sure where you want to go, then this is probably a good exercise for you. Just keep in mind that part of the process on this is reevaluating, right? So you can figure out where you think you want to go. You can start heading down that road. And if you figure out, hey, look, you know, I've heard these guys talk about this aspect of Kubernetes a whole bunch, and it sounded really interesting to specialize on it. But now this is definitely not the way I want to go. You can always change it, right? And so you'll have the tools then to reevaluate and say, no, maybe I'm going to go this way instead. But yeah, so that that's all at topendevs.com. And I think that's it. I think that's all of my picks. So thank you all for coming, being part of some of the hundred of episodes that we put out. And here's to the next hundred. Sweet. Awesome. Woo. Thank you so much. All right. Max out, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.